There are scientists who claim that at some point, the sun, the star in the center of our solar system, is going to expand. Perhaps to the point where it engulfs planets, possibly even including our Earth. That would certainly bring things to an end here. And when exactly would that happen? seven billion years from now, perhaps? Others tell us that the world is warming at such a fast rate that any day, anywhere from decades to centuries, the melting ice is going to engulf low-lying areas and the results of that are going to be, well, they're going to spell doom for this world. Others have speculated that perhaps a, a plasma ejection from the sun could ruin our world because it would take out so much of the technology that we've come to be very much dependent on and reliant on. Still others tell us, you know, this world could come to an end because meteors flying all around, there could be one big enough on a crash course with us that would do some pretty incredible damage. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. By bringing up some of these potential end-of-the-world scenarios. In fact, I bring up most of them to say you, you probably don't have to worry too much about those because that's not how the world is going to end. God has told us a number of things. He's promised that while He allows the earth to endure, there are certain things that we can rely on like the regular series of seed time and harvest, these seasons that we depend on for providing our sustenance. But that doesn't mean that the world's not going to come to an end. It will come to an end. It's just not going to be from the expanding sun or a runaway meteor. These last few Sundays of our church year, focus on the world coming to an end. The verses that are the basis for our sermon talks about the end of the world in just a very few words. It says, Christ will appear a second time. All three of the lessons that we heard read in the last several minutes talk about some aspect of the day when the world will come to an end. And we do hear things, we do hear descriptions, we do hear about ruin and destruction that maybe make us think about predictions like a meteor striking the earth or the sun engulfing it. But God says this ruin and destruction is not on some random timeline or chance happening. It's based on God's timing. The end of the world comes when Jesus comes back. And it reminds us that there's a very good reason 
that we focus on the last day. It's important for us to understand. It's important for us to remind ourselves of, be aware of the fact that this day is coming. That Jesus will return. For a lot of people, kind of the same way that I'm ready to dismiss many claims about how the world is going to end, well, there are lots of voices ready to dismiss God's claims about the end of the world too. But Jesus tells us about it. He says, Be alert, because you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Is our verse of the day for today. He says, this is from our gospel, a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and will come out. And still much of the time, maybe even most of the time, we simply go about our lives without really being alert without really being aware that at any moment Christ could return or that any moment could be our last moment before facing judgment. So let's listen to what God says today. Take to heart what our Lord teaches us about the fact that Christ will return, will appear a second time. First of all, this truth teaches us to rely on what Christ has already done. Our lesson today comes from Hebrews chapter 9, and the book of Hebrews was almost certainly written to people who grew up in the Jewish religion. They knew all about the sacrifices that God's people brought in the Old Testament. They knew all about the tabernacle and the temple. They knew all about the priests, and they had come to know Jesus too. Of course, people who were in power at that time also had learned about Jesus. In fact, it was some of the Jewish religious leaders who were the ones pushing hardest for, for Jesus to be executed. And when they succeeded, after they succeeded in having Jesus executed, they turned a lot of their attention towards the followers of Jesus. You maybe recall how in the early years of the new Christian church, many believers were baptized and the word of God spread rapidly in spite of opposition. But the opposition was real. And the people to whom the book of Hebrews was first written, they faced that opposition. Their lives were at risk. And they were being tempted, they were being constantly tempted to think that they'd be better off with their old Jewish religion rather than with Jesus. And so the inspired writer encouraged them. He talked about how much better Jesus was and is than the priests and the sacrifices that they had grown up with. In our verses, it talks about Jesus didn't enter a temple or a tabernacle that was supposed to represent where God lived. Jesus entered heaven itself. Jesus appeared before God not with blood from animals that had been sacrificed, 
but with his own holy, precious blood. He had offered up his own perfect life as true God and a true human being in order to forgive and in order to wash away sins. This wasn't like the old sacrifices. Those sacrifices were valuable because they pointed to this one. They had to be performed over and over and over. Jesus did it once for all. He took away the sins of the many, the sins of the world by his sacrifice. And God was pleading with those Hebrews. Don't go back to something that's nowhere near as good, nowhere near as valuable. Don't, don't turn away from Jesus. Rely on him. Rely on what he has done. And that's God's plea to you and to me also. Rely on what Jesus has done. You can't rely on yourself. You can't suppose that you've earned God's love or his affection. You came into this world dead in sins. You constantly reveal yourself to be a sinner. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he did what he did. That's why he suffered. That's why he died on the cross to take away your sin. You can rely on him. Rely on him and what he has done for you. The, the writer to the Hebrew explains, just as it is appointed for people to die only once, and after this comes the judgment, so also Christ was offered only once to take away the sins of the many. That's why Jesus came the first time. He came because God loves a world of sinners and he loves the world of sinners so much that he sent his son, that he acted on our behalf, that he gave the atoning sacrifice for our sins, that he fulfilled all of the pictures that the Old Testament sacrifices and offerings uh, had shown the people. There's nothing else that we need. There's nothing else that we have. There's nothing else for us to rely on. We heard Jesus warn in today's gospel about what the end would be like for some. He said those who have practiced evil will rise to be condemned. Our first lesson likewise warned the day is coming, burning like a blast furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. The day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord of armies. Relying on anyone besides Jesus, relying on anything besides Jesus really means relying on ourselves. It means that we owe God perfection, but we can't give it to him. And that means that we would be doomed to destruction and hell. And in that context, the end of the world is truly, truly terrifying. 
It's terrifying for those who do not have Jesus. They, they may not realize that now. They may not be terrified by the idea right now. But they ought to be. And there will come a point when they will be. But that day is something entirely different for those of us who have been called to faith in Jesus. So also Christ was suffered only once to take away the sins of many and he will appear for a second time without sin to bring salvation to those who are eagerly waiting for him. Those of us who rely on Jesus and what he has done can eagerly wait for what he has won for us. For those who believe in Jesus as their Savior from sin, the end of the world is not a scary prospect. It's actually what we are waiting for. It's what we hope for. We know that Jesus has taken away our sins and so he is going to pronounce a not guilty verdict on us. And in fact, he already has. Jesus said in our gospel, anyone who hears my word, believes him who sent me, has eternal life. He's not going to come into judgment but has crossed over from death to life. We should be remembering that Jesus will return because we should be eagerly waiting for it. While it's true, we know that God has blessed us in countless ways in this life, we also know that this world is far from perfect. We're never far from temptation or sin. We're never far from suffering and pain. We're never far from death. But God has something better in store for us. He's given us the promise of eternal life in heaven. He's promised us joys that will never end. He's brought us from death to life, a life that's going to last forever. And when he comes, Jesus will bring us into the full glory and the full joy of that life. That's what it means for us that Christ will appear a second time. We don't know when that day will come. We don't know when our last day will come. What we know is that Jesus is our perfect Savior. He is our great high priest. He has taken away our sins and he will return as a judge. And that's a reason for us to rejoice in him. Amen.